Well, good morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you are listening to this. I'm James Knapp. Welcome back to Truth For You. Today we are continuing our look, our study in Ephesians, a great letter about a great God. So last time we looked at Ephesians 1, um, 15-23, we looked at the Paul's great P's of prayer and how that really should echo our prayer life. But now we're going to look at, you know, our, who we were. That's the title of my message. So on August 6, 1915, I'm going to get a little history on you because I love history. If you didn't know, but I love history. Um, at, the, at the Battle of, of my party, I, I've dealt, I practiced this several times, but I still couldn't get it right. So for those who speak this language, I'm sorry. Oslitz, I believe that's right. Um, fortress. It was a battle. It, was a, it, it happened in World War One. It was a battle between the Germans and the Russians. And what happened was it was a tense battle, and the Russian and the Germans launched this deadly chemical gas into the Russians' camp, and supposedly killed all the Russians. Well, the Germans were marching in to take over the fortress. Something amazing happened, and something that terrified the Germans. The Russians came back to life. <laughs> It was, a, you know, it was like, you know, with, you know, skin peeling off, bones sticking out. They were still fighting. And, of course, the Russians won that, that battle and deterred the Germans. So what does, it, what does that have to do with us? Well, we're going to look at how today that we were dead. And through God's sovereign providence grace... Brings us back to life. Well, that's that's the next that's next time. Today we're gonna to look at this who we were. So today today's today's uh, teaching will be out of Ephesians two one through three. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. Among them. We all too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So I got three points. Uh, I just picked them from one, two, three, and hopefully you'll see what I see. So first one, we were dead. This is a key text, you know, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is a key text for total depravity. Total depravity is the teaching that from a reformed Calvinistic perspective, that we are dead. Okay, we're not sick, we're not hurt, we're dead. And some people, you know, because there are some people who would say, "Well, maybe we're innocent, and then when we sin first, then we become sinners." Well, no, Scripture tells us when we are born, we are dead. In Romans three, we you know emphasize the you know, it emphasized the total ability of humanity's broken relationship with God and our relationship with the rest of creation. So, and we look at Romans 3 as another key text. But, you know, recently Ligonier like, released their state, of, their state of theology. And I believe like what? Like it was like what? 64, 70, 60, 70% believe that humans are born innocent. And we like to think that we're good. We like to think that, hey, 
well, I'm compared to old Hitler or Joseph Stalin, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, yeah, I may, I may lie, I may cheat, I may steal, but I'm still a good person. Well, no, you're not. You know, I think of Mark 10 with the rich one Euler. You know, and he says, what good thing must I do? I'll come back to this later. And he said, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. Now, Jesus wasn't denying that he is God. He's just saying the picture that, hey, only God is good. And Jesus says, therefore, Jesus is God. Only Jesus is good. You know, and because, like I said, Calvinists, Reformed, believe that we are totally dead. We were dead. And, there's, and while Armenians say that there's a total ability that, hey, we're just, they're just sick. You know, that, hey, that there's an ability for us to be good. Well, but Paul's clear. We are dead. That that word, dead. Necros. I think I said that right. Necros. Necro. I think Necro. Yeah. Literally means corpse. You know? We, we, and we inherited it from Adam. You know, Romans 5. For death reigned for, for through one man. Death came. That's through Adam. And now, you know, in fact, I just want to turn to it real quick. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so desperate to all men because of all sin. So, when Adam, Adam and Eve fell, sin entered the world. And when we understand that, well, yeah, well, and Adam is the representative head. You know, he sinned for all of humanity. That's 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 a federal view. A seminal sees Adam's sin as just as something corrupted human nature. And so there's a big difference between, well, did we inherit it or do we just have the ability to? I believe we inherited it. If you believe different, that's fine. You know, I mean, I think scriptures support both but yeah i think uh we oftentimes kind of just get this idea that well yeah maybe i'm you know maybe you know if you're have you heard that thought that, that well maybe i'm not as good as i think i am when you really sit down look at it and say okay what, what things i need to work on or what sins are in my life maybe, maybe Lust, you know, maybe like, well, you know, maybe I, I look at porn too much, or maybe because I like to keep, you know, be a little tight with my money, even though I can afford to spend it, or maybe I'm discontent with, with what God's called me to do, or maybe I'm too prideful. Maybe I'm just say, hey, I like, you know, you know, maybe I'm, I like to say, hey, hey, I'm the one who did all this. It was me. No, not nobody else. It was me. Well, that's pride. Not giving God the credit. Or so on and so on and so on. In fact, uh, that would be a good exercise. Is like write down some sins that are really evident in your life and keep them somewhere. You mean keep them in your Bible. Keep them where you can see and say, okay, what do I need to work on? What can I do to remove? Now, we doesn't now. You're not going to be totally sinless. You're still going to sin. Because that's our nature. 
You know, I, I talked about this concept when I first started about the semi justice et peccator. We are simultaneously righteous and, and sinners. We are saints and sinners at the same time. You know, because in fact, there's a quote by Aussie Sproul is that, let's see, I, I'll butcher this. We're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're sinners. And so, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, like we, we're sinners, plain and simple. You are a sinner. You need, and only, and, only, and only, and it takes an act of God to save us. Uh, there was one commentary about Chains on Guardian Bros. I said that calls that we are the Walking Dead. You know, you ever seen a zombie movie or the, the show The Walking Dead? They're just corpses just walk around without, and just following basic instincts to eat. To hunt. Yeah, I'm sure just like those men at, at that battle, you know, they were just doing what they knew to to kill, to fight. You know, uh, there's a there's something that I listen to Steve Lawson a lot, and he says this all the time, but when he talks about total depravity, is, you know, what can a dead man do? Well, I worked as a body transporter for a little bit. And let me tell you, Dead men can't do nothing. They stink. That's what they do. <laughs> you know, and that kind of leads to my next point is that we may we may look good on the outside, but it's inside we are corpses with sinful tendencies. And we can see that in Mark 7, 21 through 23. Now here's the something that I've been kind of working myself with is that. If can we do good deeds if we're not good? I believe we can. You know, we we can give to the poor, we can take care of widows, we can adopt kids or pets, we can give them, you know, we can do all of this good things, but we're not doing it for a pure motive. We're doing it to boost our own egos. We're doing it to, to say, hey, yeah, look at me. Hey, do you see this? Yeah, I'm doing this. But really, the credit goes to God. Solo de gloria. God's glory alone. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all in the, for the glory of God. In fact, you know, but Isaiah, but, you know, but, you, you know, you can't, you can, you can do, um, I have a good deed every day. And that you, you still don't enter heaven. No, because Isaiah 64 says, your, your, your deeds are, are worthless to me. There's no good in us except Christ. And that's what takes the act of God. Christ, is, you know, people say all the time, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, well, bad things happen to bad people all the time. The only good person was Christ. You know, and, and going back, you know, and going back to that, we may look good on the outside, but inside we're, we're corpses. You know, I think of, uh, when Jesus confronts the Pharisees in Matthew twenty-three, he calls them "you're you're whitewashed tombs." Yeah, you look pretty on the outside, but inside you're, you're dead. You know, going back to that rich one Euler, I always find it kind of funny. He said, "Hey, what good thing must I do?" Well, he put a human perspective on salvation. 
And I, and I think we still do that today is that, hey, what must I do? During, well, you know, what can I do? Well, there's nothing you can do. I remember I was watching a TV show, and, he's, and there's this guy, he said this, listen, you if you do one good thing a day, you get to heaven. So you can do a million good things a day. You will still not enter heaven. And, and you know, I mentioned this before that God, only God is good. He's intrinsically and extrinsically good. That was Christ when he was on earth. And, and there's a lot of people who say, yeah, well, Jesus was a good man. You know, he's much more than that. He is God incarnate here to seek, to serve, and to save. And like I said, it takes an act of God to save us. Uh, and all people down said, "That's what's the gospel." Well, I you know, there's there's many you know, there's a correct way to say this, but the gospel is God came to us. If it was left up to us, we would never seek God. We would seek a God, would it be ourselves or money or porn or drugs or alcohol or gambling. Or maybe we actually may serve an actual other god like Buddha or Muhammad or Muhammad or whoever. Because you know, because like I said, Romans three, no one seeks for God. It, I'm going a little bit rapid trail, and that's my problem with the seeker sins that movement. They say, well, yeah, well, if you just come to church, yeah, you'll see God. Well, inviting someone to church is not the gospel. Okay, yes, now, but just no one see. okay, I mean, yeah, it helps that if you have a preacher, like like I do, who I'm very thankful for, who preaches the gospel, yeah, then they may get saved, but sometimes we have to do it, or you have to do it yourself, and I believe you can do it, and so you can be the very assertive, bold way that, hey, Here's the gospel. You're a sinner. God's not is you're a sinner. God hates sinners. You're under God's wrath. Only repent and now in Christ. If you repent, Christ, you will be saved. But there's another way. I believe, you know, I want to tell people, you know, because a lot of places where we work now don't require we can't we can't actually share the gospel. But there's ways around that. You know, it says, be deceitful as serpents. You know, for those who don't know me, I have tattoos. And they're all, all um, mostly, and they're all, they all, are, all have a story. They all go back to God. And I use my tattoos to share the gospel. I use what I, I interest to share the gospel. And so, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a polytheist. The guy who believes in many gods. He believes in God, the Bible. He believes in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he also believes in Zeus and Odin and all that. Is there, we, we, was, I told him, look, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. You know, we went back and forth. It wasn't like a debate, just a little, hey, you know, what about this? Yeah, but, and, and he said something that really helped me. I'm not trying to boast about myself. But he said, you're the first Christian to actually explain to me why you believe what you believe. So... I thought that was pretty cool. But one, we were dead. Two, we were sons of disobedience. In Romans 6, Paul states, you're either a, you're a slave, either to, to sin or to Christ. 
I don't really, we don't like using that word slave because yes, it does. We, yes, because people use slaves throughout the history of time. But that's the language they knew. And I believe that's a good word. You know, Paul is reminded of who they were. They were sons of disobedience. Uh, Brian Chapel in the Reform Expository and the Reform Expository Commentary says this: the pra- you know, who are the sons of disobedience? Well, it's the practice of those who were dead in their transgressions and sins was to live following the ways of the world and the leading of Satan, who continues to exert his spiritual influence over those who are disobedient. They live a life of spiritual death. You know, they are following somebody. But who? Well, he, he lays it out right here in verse 2. Well, one, they're following the world. You know, now let me just say this before I... A lot of people will say, world's bad, spiritual good. Well, that's Gnosticism. The, you know, the phys- people's... Gnosticism basically is saying, you know, hey, physical is bad, spiritual is good. There is some good to this world... Like creation, like the tr- look at the trees, the mountains, the flowers, the animals. You know, look at the seas, the oceans. But in First John, you know, and like and like I said, the world, yes, it is full of sin. It's, but the world is also beautiful. So if one, he called the world, and First John, he tells us, don't love the world. You know, let's 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 turn there. First John two, fifteen to seventeen. <clears throat> Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful life of pride is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Pretty intense, isn't it? You know, and and I, this is John, the 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 Apostle John, who writes that. You know, because I think, but I think worldliness is a I call the forgotten sin, because even Christians can can get caught in worldliness. You know, worldliness is this idea that you love the world, you love the things in it more than God. You love maybe your house, your, your your vehicle. Maybe you love your money. Maybe you love your little sins that you that you like to keep to yourself. But but John says the world is passing away, and those who and the world will pass away. But those who do the will of the Father will live forever. You know, and what else about the world? Well, in James 4, he says, don't be friends with the world. He says, you adulterous, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. Wow, isn't that a eye-opener? You know? But... You know, because I believe he says that because I think he has uh, excess in mind when he says, hey, I'm a jealous God. 
God wants all of you. He, he, he doesn't want just 50% of you. He don't want you just on Sundays and Wednesdays. He don't want you just when, if you feel like you need it. He wants your total, submissive, obedient, repentive self. You know, and like, and like First John said, this world passing away. Isaiah twenty four one through six, you know, talks about judgment on the earth. He's gonna, will be, he'll be laid away and just wiped out. We know this from Revelation twenty one, that a new heaven and a new earth will be made. So, you can love the world all you want, but you. You'll be just like the world. You'll be, you'll be wiped out. So who else are they following? The prince, the power of the air. This is another name for Satan. You know, Satan, Beelzebub. Um, Luce, you know, the, the, the morning star, the dragon, the serpent. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. You know. And just like Chapel said, they're you know they're we're following Satan, and there's I got three points about Satan. One, he's real, you know. And Matthew four one through eleven, we see Jesus and, and Satan meeting, and Satan's offering the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the desires of one life, and all right there. He's offering them the exact same thing he offered in Adam and Eve. But Jesus, one, being God, and two, being obedient to God, said, away from me. He was tempted. He didn't give in to temptation. That's another thing I think some Christians said. Believe that well, I will believe they believe temptation is a sin. No, temptation is not a sin. Now, if you follow through with that sin, then that's a sin because Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin. If Jesus is perfect, because he has to be perfect for him to appease the wrath of God and, to, and for God to impute his righteousness onto us, he has to be sinless. Or otherwise, if he even sinned one time, that he boom, he, he failed. Because he would just be like every other leader throughout Old Testament who thought they were the, the Messiah. They, but then they sin. You know, here's, here's another thing. You know, and when we go back to about being Satan being real, is that there's two quotes I love. First quote, I believe it was like John Lennon, I believe. He says this. The greatest trick the devil has ever pulled was convincing you he is not real. And two, this one's by um, Anthony Hopkins in the movie The Omen. Just because you don't believe in Satan doesn't mean he won't, doesn't that doesn't protect you. It's sad there's so many Christians out there who don't believe in Satan or hell or demons. He is real. They are real. And they would love to, for you to be on their side. 
I mean, but they don't offer the same thing God offers. He's also hungry. First Peter 5, 8. You know, it talks about he's a lion looking around for his next meal. You know, um, it's funny about how God out in the Bible they uses animals to describe people, God, or Satan. Because it's funny because in one instance, the lion is, the Satan is, the lion is a Satan. And the very next instance, lion is talking about Christ. <laughs> the lion of Judah, which I love. So, you know, there's, you know, because there's, it's funny. Sin starts out small and then grows bigger. It's like this. It's like, let's say you had a little tiny kid, kitten. And what happens when you feed it? It gets bigger. And that's like sin. The more you feed it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But one day that little tiny kitten, next thing you know, it's, it's a huge thousand pound lion that has eaten you. And that is Satan right there. And three, he's deadly. In Revelation 12, he went to war with heaven. Talks about, you know, and he went to war with Michael and the archangel. And the rest, of, and he went to war with Michael, the archangel. He also, he was also going to war, war with God. But God said, he said, look, deal with, and Michael, and he, he's dealing with Michael instead. You know, if I, you know. You know, and and from, judging from what I said, it's like, it look like it was it was Michael who threw Satan down. It was he was powered by God. Michael was. This doesn't mean that Michael himself is stronger than Satan. Now that's a different topic about angels and demons, which maybe we'll we'll cover one day if people are interested. In. He is deadly. If in 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 those in the in that story in Revelation twelve. That when his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth, those stars, that's that's those are the angels. There's nothing about Satan, um, I kinda of just thought of. He's also defeated. You know, in Revelation 20, God's going to defeat, he's going to wipe Satan out. And Satan already knows this. And, but people, and people ask a lot of questions all the time. Well, why? If Satan knows he's defeated, why is why is he still try? I believe the answer is because just like with heaven, those angels, he wants to take as many of them as he can. So if they follow Satan, three, they follow the spirit of disobedience. That's who we were. Sons of disobedience. Then that's and that's kind of you know, and that's kinda of, and they are people who and who they are is people who just live a life of themselves. You know, people who Carpe Diem, seize the day, YOLO, you know, but people who say there's only one life, so live full fledged.
And these, these are people who are following the world and Satan. And sin. Those are the three biggest enemies. Sin, Satan, and the world. But I thought we'll say the fourth one is yourself. And what does the future hold? Hell. Damnation. Eternal punishment. Like I said, if you don't believe in hell, that's fine. Hell believes in you. And, people, and let me just kind of say something about, God, about this real quick. A lot of people will get the misconceptions that, well, hell is away from God. No, God is in hell. But not the loving, merciful God. His just, unholy, righteous wrath is in hell. And what's going on right there and now is what's going to taste a come for those who are still falling in their own way when he comes back. So we were sons of disobedience. Third, we were children of wrath. Wrath, that Greek word, orge, anger, indication, retribution, judgment. So, there's a wrath of God. You know, we all know what the wrath of God is. But there's two types of wrath. There's a, a future wrath, which we all know about. And there's a, a, um, excuse me. There's a future, and there's a present. Future is Jesus comes back, takes his he takes his those who are with him, and he uh, and God just lets all his anger out on the world. And there's a present wrath. Those I believe that those are who are either who are Christians who but they are unrepentant in their lifestyle, and there's you know there and there's ones who are who are not Christians living their life. I believe he punishes those right now who are his or disciplines. It's kind of like this: like he kind of God has his wrath, he lets it up for a little bit down, but it kind of can get up down up down up down. And so when we think about that, all the wrath that God's holding back, all that wrath that was poured onto Christ, is is amazing. And I got to this point, which I was thinking about as I was writing this out, is that what the gospel is and isn't. The gospel is, hey, you're a sinner. God is holy, he's righteous, and he's just, and one day he's going to punish you in your sins. Or you can repent and believe in Christ and all that punishment and then, you know, is taken away. But I think, you know, with the gospel, here's what the gospel is. To build up to say, well, so you're telling me if I don't if I don't believe in God, he's going to send me to hell? No. You're already going to hell. 
is that it says if you believe in God, he'll save you from hell. And I believe that, I believe that, plain and simple. It's, um, God is, he's a, he's a just God. And there's a balance between that I'm going to, maybe I'll talk, I, I'll talk about later. That says, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. But also there's a action to do now. And, like right now, you have a choice to serve God, to repent and believe. Now we know ultimately later that it was, we know that it was the Holy Spirit who was working in you, on your heart, for you to be regenerative. And then you believe, repent. The hard stone will not repent. They're just going to say, well, I'm stuck in my ways. I'm not going to give up sin because it makes me feel good. Okay. Well, when, let me ask you, when you are burning in hell, <laughs> are you still going to have that same attitude? I doubt it. And like I said, because he is a just holy God, disobedience deserves wrath. And because if he didn't punish, then he he could not be a sovereign God. You know, but and like and like the children of disobedience, the children of wrath, who they follow? Well, first they follow the lust of the flesh. I mean, I think I thought of Matthew twenty six forty one was when Jesus, when disciples are praying, and um, Jesus comes back. This is before his crucifixion. And he says, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You know, I've known many Christians who still struggle with some serious sins. Uh, all sins are serious, but like the big ones. Lust, anger, greed, pride. Um, it's because, like I said, we're sinners. And we have to understand that. Everything doesn't, you know, it's not that the the world, it's not that the outside is influenced the inside. The inside is influenced the outside. As in Mark 7, he talks, and when Jesus is talking about the heart, he says all these sins come from within. In fact, I just want to turn there real quick. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of covenant and wickedness, as well as dissent, Sensuality, envy, slender, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the men. The men. So women, you're off the hook. <laughs> no. Um, he's talking about obviously man God. But. And it's easy. You know, it's easy to give into the, 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 the lusts of the flesh. It's easy to, to say, well... Maybe you say read my Bible. I'm gonna, I don't know, watch porn. But like I said, First John two sixteen, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and life, it's not from the Father; it's from the world. So two, they follow the desires of the flesh.
You know, there are so many Christians today, not just people, but Christians who say this. Oh, just follow your heart. Do what you feel is right. Our hearts are not, our hearts are full of sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 says our heart is deceitful. It's, it's, it's sick. And, but, you know, I've said this so many times on my podcast. You follow your heart, follow your heart, you go to hell. Follow Christ, you go to heaven. You know, Paul, you know, and because in Jeremiah 17, like I said, Jeremiah 17, 9, I won't turn there because I, I think it's just an amazing passage. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And he says, then he answers that question. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, even to give men each according to his, his ways, according to the result of his deeds. Sorry, my, my phone slipped. You know, and then, because earlier, Paul in first, well, not Paul, sorry, Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16, a famous verse, which, a verse that we know, if not, I'm going to read it to you. First, you know, says, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his nature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees for the heart. For man looks outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. And, and I think that shows back to Jesus being God. I mean, we listen to that Mark passage. Jesus saw their hearts. He knows your heart. He knows what you want. You know, you know, and like I said, I think there's just proof that, you know, and because in Romans 8, Paul, Paul says, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, who who understand the heart but God? And so, and like I said, and Romans 3 tells us that all are sinners, all are sinners, no one seeks God. But here's what I think it baffles me more is that there are many worldly Christians or carnal Christians. Christians who say, yeah, God is good. I love God. But man, have you seen my truck? Or have you seen my house? Have you seen my family? Have you seen this or that? So, and I believe if you're a worldly Christian, you're not a true Christian. Because you're not denying yourself. Now, let me just say this. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I also believe in the poverty gospel. The prosper, we all know what the prosperity gospel is. Hey, if you believe in God, God will make you rich. He'll make you happy. Life will be good. But it's also poverty theology, which says the opposite. That, hey, no, God doesn't want you to live in these big houses, nice cars. You have to live the low of the low. Listen, live according to how you earn. If you can afford, you know, like I said, if you, you know, like sometimes I know there's people who are out there who can't afford to live in big, nice houses and drive nice cars. And I also know those who, who who can afford just the bare minimum. That's not a knock against either one of them as long as they're both serving God. So, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you know, anyway, sorry, I, I, that's a little tangent I went on. But, yeah. They follow the mind. See, God knows us. So he created us. 
And the and scripture says the in Proverbs one seven the, the the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. And like I said, God knows our hearts. He also knows our thoughts. He says this in First Chronicles twenty eight nine. Let's turn there real quick. All right. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and, and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord touches all heart and understand every intent of the thoughts. And Matthew 5, when he talks about his uh, summer on the Mount, he says, he says some things like, you know, if you even look, you all know what lust is, you don't know what adultery is, but if you even look at another woman, with lustful thoughts, you have committed adultery. If you look at, if you have, if you think about murdering your brother, you've done it. And, and that kind of goes back to this idea that this Jesus proves Jesus was God. Because if God, only God knows our hearts and minds, and Jesus in human flesh knew their hearts and minds, that would make him God. You know? So, and the result, if we follow the, 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 the flesh, the the world, the minds. We are children of wrath and must be punished. I talked about that in um, first point two. Do you live in yourself or do you live in God? In Isaiah six, we see Isaiah sees the holy room and he sees the seraphim. He sees and he sees God's holiness. And he sees God's glory. Well, you don't see it, but, you know. <laughs> but I'm going to wrap up with this. It may seem bad, but good news has come. That good news is Christ. He's come, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and he reigns. Now, I'm going to read Romans. Yeah, because I love Romans. I think every Reformed Christian does. <laughs> I'm read verses chapter 5, 6 21. Why don't you just listen to this? For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the godly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more... Much more than having now been justified by his work, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, and much more have been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we all exalt God and God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we receive the reconciliation. Therefore, just as one man entered into sin, Therefore, therefore, just as through one man sent into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam and Moses until Moses, seen over those who had not been seen in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for by transgression... Of the one, the many died, much more than the grace of God, but in the gift 
The gift, by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many. The gift is not like that which come through the one who sinned. For on one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. Much more than those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as, just, as through one transgression there resulted in condemnation to all men, and even so through the act, one act of righteousness there resulted in justification of all life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even though, even so through the, dis, the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that sin reigned in death, even so... Grace would reign through righteousness and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, that's who we were. Next week, we're going to look at who we are because of God. I'm James Knapp. This is Truth For You.